Welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Curtis Dewar. Hello, hello. And our amazing guest, Wesley Niemand. How are you, Wesley? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing great. It's, you know, it's the end of the world. Um, (laughs) The point being... For those who don't know about you and your work, who are you? What do you do? My name is Wes. I play drums in a band called Kamikaze Test Pilots. But also I have a job job, but we won't talk about that because it's pretty boring. Now I want to know, what's your job job? My job job? I am a guarantee specialist for an aviation company specializing in repair management services. Ooh, that is boring. <laughs> that is boring. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, well, when you said you had a job, job, I thought you were going to say like Hitman or something after a second there, because like you're like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. That that's also awesome what I thought. That. That's why I asked. <laughs> Funny you mentioned being a Hitman. We were watching the Iceman tapes the other night. That guy was crazy. I can't remember his. I can't remember his name. He was a yep. Hitman for the mob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good shit. The point being. Um, um, point being, so talk, so talk, so how did Kamikaze Test Pilot start? What's the story there? What's the story behind the name? Story behind the name, there didn't really, there really isn't one. We just kind of throwing names around and this is a bit of a, what's the word, contrast in terms. You know, you kind of have, there's, there's loads of them, but we just thought, you know, Kamikaze pilots, they crash and die. Test pilots, they probably crash and die too. Um, if they live, the test has failed. So I don't know. It's more of a, yeah, it's a contrast in terms. And it was funny um, for about five minutes. And then, yeah, it just we, we just stuck with it. I mean, the band itself, we've been going for, got to be 13 years now, 14 oh. years. Yeah, we've been we've been kicking around the UK scene for a while. Um, we've had multiple lineup changes. We've got had the same bassist for it's got to be eleven years now. Mm-hmm. And the current guitarist and my brother, well, the guitarist has been on and off for the past seven eight years. Yeah, we've basically gone through nearly every single musician there is in Reading, which is where we are. I mean, where the what used to be the Reading Rock Festival. Mm-hmm. That's where so, that's where we So what I wanted to ask you about that was about the name is okay, so Kamikaze Test Pilot, you, you had spoken to me before that you didn't think the name would go over very well in Japan. So uh yeah. what are you gonna do what are you gonna do about if you guys ever like hit it super big? <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> well, I mean if you do, like you always say, like you know. Hypothetical. It's just let's hypothetical. Just say, I mean yeah, I'd, you get big I'd, in Japan. Wow, I, I think we'll just have to stick with it because they're, they're very polite people. 
Um, they'll totally. probably just talk talk about us behind our backs, and you know. But yeah, I I, I think I don't think we'd change it. Cool. <laughs> you can't. Why? It's like Slash changing his name back to Saul. Fair. I don't know. Fair. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. yeah. So you guys, so you guys are now based in Reading, you said in the UK, but you're originally yeah. from Harare, correct? Yeah. Well, we're from a bit further south than Harare. Um, this is a tiny little mining town called Kwekwe. It's me and my brother. We Kwekwe. we started the band. Yeah, we we started what, the band. We moved up here. Pardon? Was it was it in Zimbabwe? You guys actually started, though. I mean. Um, no, not not as the, okay. the, the band Kamikaze Test okay. Pilots. We, me and my brother, we've always just played. You know, we had musical instruments and we just jammed out playing terrible Smoke on the Waters covers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the name and the band as it stands at the moment, we started that in the UK. Cool. Were you, uh, how did you guys get into uh, the heavier sides of music over in Zimbabwe? I know that we've had other people like uh, Chris Van on here and uh, Gary Stout. Feltmeister and they both said it's kind of can be a little bit difficult to find uh, new music in that area. Oh, dude, you don't know how difficult it was. I mean, we were about seven, eight years behind new releases. So we found Pantera's Great Southern Trend Kill amongst the local artists. And we're mm -hmm. like, we've got to get it. And it was just there. It was like, oh my God, it's like a gem. When you come, when when we moved over to the UK, we were kind of spoiled for choice. We we're like, oh, we, we we missed that. You're discovering new stuff. But how we got into it is because of, because of my my dad. He was always into his Sabbath, his Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, all all the, all the old old dinosaurs, you know. But we we picked it up from that, and we just kind of obviously as time moved on, new metal started coming in when I was a teenager. I was listening to Korn and Slipknot and Sepultura. And then we, as we grew older, started listening to the even more like the Haunted and uh, Cannibal Corpse. And obviously Pantera was always there. Yeah. Old Iron Maiden, stuff like that. We, we, we always had it in our blood. We, we were never steered towards anything else. And I guess Fair. that's where actually music where we learned to play the music that we do play. We just kind of pick bits from various bands and just try and, you know, make it your own. Fair enough. Now, there's not very much of a big metal scene there to speak of. So how did you find other musicians to play with? Or was it just you and your brother? It was originally just me and my brother. And okay. we would have the old the old covers band guys sort of doing their circuit as well. We sort of bump into them and have a jam with them. But with regards to a metal scene, I mean, it was non-existent when we were kids. We yeah. <laughs> it was just frowned upon, you know, it's just too loud. People not really singing. You're just kind of left to your own devices. But we we were lucky we had the land so we could just make as much noise as we wanted. <laughs> Even if it was just what do you what do you mean you had the land and you could make as much money much noise as you want what do you what do you mean by that? Um, we had huge gardens, so we'd be oh. playing in yeah we'd be playing in a room and there's nobody for let's say two or three kilometers. Wow, you know. <laughs> so okay, so then you guys moved to the UK, like then you moved to the UK and then you started Kamikaze Test Pilots. 
So yeah. what what was it like forming a band in the UK? Like how did how did how did the comic actually Kamikaze Test Pilots come about then? It was actually it was actually quite easy because we were we were living in Reading. Um, this is, it's a musical town. There were a lot of musicians available, and mm -hmm. obviously we didn't really know anybody. So we just put up ads on local forums and stuff like that, and we got responses. People would come and go. We'd have jams. People were either into it or they weren't, and that way we just started getting into a pool of of pool of musicians. And obviously we we like heavy music and we like drinking. Mm -hmm. So we went down to the local pubs that play the heavy music and we just start drinking and talking rubbish with like all the locals and getting to know them. It's like, ah, oh, you play bass. Let's, let's have a jam. And this is like three o'clock in the morning. Before you know it, you've got messages on your phone. And, you know, you're starting to form a band. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, okay. And then from that point, so you just, you form the band and then you put, I think you're on two releases now. Is that right? Uh Correct? Three, two, three two good ones. Okay. <laughs> two good okay. So, yeah. But so, how did you kind of figure out what to style to play? Because when I listened to your, uh, I can't remember which album it was I heard, but what I heard, I mean, it's like an, a mishmash of different styles. It's not like it's kind of hard to pin down. So, how did you kind of figure out what direction you guys were wanting to go? That's you hit the nail on the head. We didn't figure it out. We just play what well, we like. It's, to play. it's it's weird because like parts of it sound like stoner music and like doom, and then other parts it's like alternative rock. Right? Like it's good, but it's very yeah. hard to. It's almost it's not like Zappa type stuff, but it, it it's uh, different. Yeah, I mean, we just like playing what we like to hear. Um, I mean, we're working on songs at the moment that have got like a reggae a reggae groove to them, and you know it's some of us like some reggae and unfortunately the guy with the dreadlocks in our band wasn't the guy that wrote it so everybody's going to be oh. looking at him yeah. <laughs> he's like it's not me man but we just like playing what we like playing we like playing what we hear we like we we, we don't haven't we we seem to it's hard to explain we find that if you pigeonhole yourself and put yourself in a kind of category you just another bare bum in the shower, if you know what I mean. You're just somebody else playing the same thing as everybody else. We just like to keep it original and just try and mess with it, you know, keep it interesting. And it's fun for us to play. If we play the same thing all the time, the same sort of groove, I'm not, I'm not talking shit about anybody, but I'm just saying is for me, myself, I've got a low attention span as it is. I don't need to just be playing in 4-4, four, four, nine Fair enough. songs of a night. Fair enough. To what extent did having the Zimbabwe connection, um, how was that beneficial to what you were doing early on, and even today? We, we benefited because we had world music at our fingertips. Sure. We've kind of, we've kind of touched on that as well. We, we bring that as an influence. I mean, music in Zimbabwe is so big. There's, Everybody is musical there. Everybody likes playing the drums. It's, you know, it's such a rich heritage. We were just lucky. So with that, we just picked up on, lo on local artists, started listening to their music and like, oh, wow, let's play a cover of that. We started playing some covers of that. And then before you know it, people are asking us to play at their weddings, just playing the Zimbabwe music covers. And we started doing that for a bit because it's fun. It's, it's, it's just, yeah. Do you, are you into the pygmy music, Matt? That's Matt's favorite genre, the African pygmy music. <laughs> no, I, I haven't actually heard any. I mean, uh, be, different part of yeah, Africa. Yeah. 
I thought it was Zimbabwe. No, it's uh, oh, I'm, I'm more into pygmy. Like the the pygmy peoples live more in the Congo. Um. Okay. <laughs> but fine. Uh, this is like genuinely an interest of mine, Wes. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm it sorry. is. Oh. I, I I thought it was from Zimbabwe too. My mistake. Oh. I would love to hear it. I'll send you a link. It's like genuinely some of the most. Just as a side note for everyone listening, I've been on a quest to find some of the oldest music in the world. Um, and some of the oldest musical traditions I can find that have been consistently documented are the pygmy music traditions, which go back like 40,000 years. It's amazing. Anyway, it's pretty good stuff. It is good stuff. Carrying on. <laughs> um, so the world music aspect is really interesting. Is that something you still feel? Is that something you still feel the need to pay tribute to now that you've lived in um, the UK for a long time? Of course, because there's so much more to explore. The world music scene is much bigger than the rock and metal scene. You can't, you can't forget that. And there's so much more, there's so much more influence for yourself as a musician. If you want to push the envelope, you've got to, you, you try and absorb as much as you can. And you, you know, you, it, it just makes you a better player overall. And it just gives you, a, it's like that extra color in the spectrum you know what i mean yeah yeah so how do you incorporate that into metal without it getting what's the right word um pompous or something like that i guess is the right word i'm looking for um i suppose you could ask the same question to max cavallero when you wrote roots it's very similar to that it's, yeah it's very similar he's kind of he's kind of brought in that whole tribal element and yeah, um, for us, we we just try and complement it. We complement our music with with the world music, and we try and complement the world music with the rock and metal music. It's it, it's it's we we try and strike a balance. It, it's not easy, I've got to say, because because you you're looking at such a wide spectrum of colors to try and drift to try and take the song into a direction, and you've got four people doing it. It it can kind of just become a mess mm -hmm. so it's it's you've got to have a clear direction of where you want to take it so how do you figure out what the clear direction is that how you want to take it whichever sounds best how do you determine that um democracy democracy <laughs> <laughs> fair fair okay so now we were also going to talk about touring and stuff like that so you guys have played uh, a number you guys have done a couple tours in the uk correct if i'm not mistaken yeah we since before covid i think this is the longest we've ever gone without playing we're constantly playing every other weekend every weekend weekdays yeah we've been up and down the country so so but so it's been extensive touring then yeah i mean it's, life has been a tour <laughs> oh, fair enough okay so now how do you okay so now how do you go about like if you can give some tips like how would you go about getting uh touring effectively in the uk for a new band like a few tips with it wow at the moment well before well, except for now yeah. except for now <laughs> in general <laughs> Clarify. well you've, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to have a decent working van we yeah. had a <laughs> we had an old red van that while we were dro driving through the, the Welsh mountains, the brakes went. So we were sort of cruising down mountains using the handbrake. Nice. Luckily, our guitarist is a mechanic or he knows a lot about cars. So mm -hmm. he kind of fixed it on the side of the road. But yeah, a working van is good. 
uh, <laughs> you've got to you've got to have good relationships with your venues because sometimes you're running late you've got to let them know otherwise you know you're going to miss your sound check a lot of venues do insist on a sound check yeah. have a good relationship with your venues don't expect to get paid a lot of money just expect to clear your fuel you know you're gonna you're not gonna be a rock star fair and live like so a rock star. how do you how do you get those relationships with the venues you just got to talk to them talk to people that know them um build a relationship and you go drinking there you know just pop your head through the door have a beer go home as far away as it might be that's that's how you do it and just get talking to all the right people i mean talk to the the, the, the guy or the girl behind the bar say who put some music here can i drop a cd can i have a chat that's, that's how it usually usually works so you so you usually do all your networking in person we we yeah we do it the hard way it's not easy matt loves to talk about this part i mean there's a few layers to it you know um i think that uh i think that you're right to do a lot of it in person i think that up until you know very recently that was the way most of it was done always um yeah. You know, and I think that's a big component. Uh, I guess I'd be curious, like, because I feel like the big problem people face is is not even no, not knowing what to say. But how do you initiate the conversation? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm in a band. Do you have any slots available? I and here's the CD. Because it's because it's, <laughs> it's it's definitely. Um, it, it, it it's definitely frustrating to see, you know, because you can kind of explain to people exactly what you said. So I guess, you know, and it makes sense, but people don't do it. So I guess the question is, how do you get the gumption, as it were, to be like, okay, I'm going to go ask this bartender if they have slots? Ooh, you've, got to have com you've got to have confidence in your own product. If you don't have confidence, you won't do it. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair I mean, analysis. If, 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 if you think that you are good enough to play at a venue, you should go and approach it. No one's going to do it for you. You can post as many pictures and links and whatever, as much as you like. If you don't do it, go to the venue, talk to the people, or build up an online relationship. You're never going to do it. And mm -hmm. you've got to have that confidence in your product, in your music, in your abilities to do it. That's very well put. So how, okay, so now other than that, so what are, the, what are the other key tips that you would have for someone wanting to go uh, organize a tour other than just, you know, going up to people and doing, doing the other things that you said? There's got to be some more tips you got. <laughs> Make sure you like your bandmates. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than being in a van with a bunch of assholes. You don't want to, you don't want to spend nine hours driving from one point to the next, hating every conversation. Yep. Yep. Understood. I, mean, I love my bandmates. I love my bandmates, you know, but I can't imagine what it would be like if I didn't. Yep. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. be in that I, band. I, I've TM'd bands where nobody liked each other and it was not fun. <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta, you gotta have a thick skin. We, we like to, you know, roast each other 
constantly. It, it, it sounds like we're actually being nasty to each other. That's a sign of endearment. That's hilarious. So how do you think the, uh, how do you think the using Zimbabwe as being in your background has helped you promotion wise? It has given somebody listening to it. They've kind of listened to the music and gone, what is this? Yeah. They listen to the whole album. If they listen to the whole, whole album, you know, I'd be, I'd be amazed, but like you said yourself it, it just kind of twit it, it it just jumps from one end to the next mm-hmm. we've we've been what's up what a listener would do listen to that and go where are these guys from this doesn't sound like local music mm-hmm. and they, yeah then that hopefully that'll entice them to get in touch with us so do you do you think and, though that that it also has helped get you press though like just having the name like because i mean like most people in the, in the western world have no idea where zimbabwe is right yeah <laughs> so <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah there's no near the congo i tell you <laughs> well I, I i would yeah <laughs> um but do you, do you think it's an advantage like if you like if you go to a journalist and you're like hey uh we play metal or we play alternative metal however you guys describe yourselves but we're from Zimbabwe. Do you think that can be more of an advantage than just saying, "Hey, we're from the UK"? Uh, I, I I don't know. I I kind of think it's it's all about the music that you're playing and the person that's listening to it. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. You probably in today's world, people don't really care as much as they did back in the day as to where people are from. Fair. It's I think it's kind of a it's a it's a fading, what's the word? I, I don't even, I, I don't even know what the word is. It's, it's, it's yeah. I, I don't think people care that much about it. It, it, it helps when they listen to the music and they, it gives them an idea. You mm-hmm. can almost place it somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not from here. You can place it somewhere else, but saying that I'm from a specific country, they probably, they probably, all they know about Zimbabwe's dictatorships and Robert Mugabe. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and, and you haven't lived there in a while, right? No. Yeah. I, th- no. I feel like that probably has an impact too on some level, right? Am I wrong? It does. Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got family there. My grand's still kicking around over there. My aunt, I've got cousins. Yeah, I've still got family and friends there. But, um, you know, it's weird. If I wasn't in a band and 95% of my friends and family weren't scattered over the globe, I probably wouldn't even be on social media. That's the <laughs> only reason why I have social yeah. media accounts because, hey, I'm in a band and all my friends are in Australia, China, UK, back in Africa, in the States and Canada. <laughs> So, okay, so this is something else that I think people don't understand. So outside of, like, uh, it's obvious why you have friends in Zimbabwe. Um, But aside from that, how do you make friends internationally? Because I feel like this is something people struggle with when they're trying to grow online. It's it's relatively straightforward. I mean, you find an interest. Me and my brother's interest was music. We're interested in drinking. We find the pub that plays the music (laughs) that you like, and you go and drink there. And you just meet like-minded individuals. I mean, you know, you don't have, not that I'm promoting drinking or anything, you know, everybody must drink responsibly and stuff, but it's, you just got to find the interest and 
get chatting to people that are there because they are you probably find nine times out of ten they got the same interests as you I, yeah. I, I just love your matter of fact way of approaching it because I feel like <laughs> I feel like so often it gets blown up into this whole thing and it's like yeah so good to talk to a guy who's just like yeah no so I just I just go and I, I drink a beer and then I say hi <laughs> yeah nobody nobody else says that they're all they always go into these weird techniques and stuff but Wes is just like yeah just go talk to him yeah uh, it, we, we're a bit direct we don't beat around the bush we, we're bad at it I've got to tell you <laughs> you're, you're bad at it what do you mean what, you can we, clarify that we're bad at bad at beating around the bush if we, oh. we, we can't we, we the, in England they call it blagging um like you, you're talking about something you don't really know. I uh, uh, don't know what the phrase is in, in Canada. Oh, I, thought, I thought you were making like a, a, a bush, uh, Bushman joke. <laughs> no, no. Um, the point being. Straight to the point. Yes. I appreciate that. That's a really valuable, really um, useful skill to have, I feel. Mm -hmm. um so that so i guess sort of the question that comes out of that especially as we're starting to run a little bit low on time is so like you know that that's a that's a that's a very cool amount of self-confidence to have what were you like as a kid did you have that confidence growing up i wouldn't call it confidence you know if it's it's just it's just who you who I am. Um, it's not, it's not about a confidence thing. I mean, I understand a lot of people have anxiety and stuff like that. And people stay at home. People literally are hermits. Um, and that's a whole other web of mental health issues that people have. But me as a child, we were always outside. I mean, we had the sunshine. We hardly ever spent our mornings in front of the TV. Only when I was a teenager and we were turning on MTV and watching Headbangers Ball that we recorded on VHS tape from the night before. You know, we were yeah. always outside, always playing sports, always, you know, swimming. We we're children of the world, you know, children of the soil. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love the way you, I love the way you frame that. Um, <laughs> and so, and so, so you feel that kind of helped guide you to the, the to the pointness. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, obviously, everybody's childhood is is a is a huge factor of who they become as as adults. Um, we were just lucky to have that upbringing. We've been spoiled in a way. We had almost just about everything we wanted, except for <laughs> the a lot of music that we liked listening to. Sure. What did? Because I oh, Kurt, Curtis, are you there? I am here. I, I was waiting for you. I thought you had another question, no, no, but I, I can go if you don't. Go ahead. Cool. Um, my, my final question to you, my, my very final question to you is, um, so how do I want to phrase this? So what do you think is the main uh, way that a band can get themselves known with other people other than the ways that you've already spoken about is there like online because you talked a lot about in person but i mean like you approached me online for example after chris vaughn had mentioned my name like how do you do it yeah. online i guess is what i'm trying to say because we've talked a lot about in person yeah 
in this day and age, money talks. I was about to watch a biohazard gig before I did my workout and my friend's band popped up as an ad and it was their whole music video on YouTube. I messaged him and I said, all I wanted to do was watch a gig and your face turns up. And now I'm looking at four beardy people and what's going on? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's all about advertising at the moment. You've got to get in front of people and you've got to get people looking at your material because all people are doing, picking up their phones, going on their social media, scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, there's a video I like. Tap, mm -hmm. watch three, four seconds of it. Ah, that's boring. Next. Scroll, scroll, yeah. scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah. You've got to get their attention. Um, yep. Unfortunately, yep. we haven't been that on it when it comes to our social media. It's, we just need to up our game and, and be more visible to people. Yep. It's, you've just yep. got to put yourself in front of people. You've got to pay the money to get the ads and you've got to, you know, if you're, if you're determined enough, you'll do it. For example, yep. my, friend's band, yep. my friend's band Blind River, I was just about to watch a gig and then the whole music video pops up as an, as an ad and I just thought, I'll, I'll just watch this. It was great. Yep. It was like, oh, there you are. And, and yeah, I think there's a lot of value just within that, just like popping up as the ad and like being, because I feel like there's like a, a, people would be really shocked to understand how little their friends know about their music at any given time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I feel like there's a lot of value there. Uh, and then I guess the final, the final point, Leslie, is how's your band moving forward in the pandemic? We are writing new tunes. Uh, I was talking to Curtis uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we had seven tracks all recorded, ready to go. And then my brother's computer died. And we had thought that we had lost all the tracks, <laughs> but he managed to save them, but his computer went kaput. So we're, we're, we're just writing. Like tonight, in about 10 minutes, I'm going to go down to our practice room, write some more songs, and we're just going to record write, make some videos, and hopefully catch people's attention within six seconds when they're scrolling. I appreciate that brutally honest approach. Uh-huh. Do, do you have any final things you want to push before we wrap this up? Don't do drugs. That's a valuable thing to push. <laughs> that was awesome. This has been Dumb and Dumbest. You have been listening. Are we done yet?